Well, we want to welcome you across all of our campuses this weekend, and we're excited that you're here as we start a new series called 28 Days of Life. And whether you're worshiping uh, online or you're at our Anderson campus or Blunt campus, uh, whether you're at Campbell or at North Knox or here at the Pellissippi campus, we're so glad uh, that God has brought you on this incredible weekend as we venture out and ask that God would do something significant in this series. And what we're asking God to do is we're actually asking him to change our perspective. You see, each of us has a way that we view life, and God wants to change our view and change our perspective so that it can be different. And so over the next few weeks, as we dive into this topic called 28 Days for Life, we're praying and asking God that he would change your perspective. Now, earlier this year, and as we jump in, just to kind of create a foundation for you guys, Pastor shared in a passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it's a verse of Scripture, and you'll remember this because he had an interesting phrase with it, and it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And you remember that he had us repeat that phrase about not putting our hope in riches, but the one who richly provides. Now, do you guys remember that? I know the sharp crowd is here at Pellissippi, and then I'm not sure which one comes after that, but we still know it's, it, it can't be our Campbell campus because Pastor Chad's there, you know what I'm saying? And so it, it can't be uh, that location. But you guys remember that, and Pastor shared in a series called You Won't If You Don't. And he was challenging us to recognize that God has placed our church and each of us individually in this strategic moment in time where God has allowed us to use our wealth to make a difference in the world for Christ. Right? God is wanting to use our wealth to make a difference in the world for Christ. And in that passage of Scripture, he goes on, and there are actually two other verses that follow that that actually inform the thought that we want to look at in the time together that we have in this series called 28 Days of Life. And in the next two verses, what's interesting is that so many of us, when we think about that verse that Pastor shared and we thought over and over again each week, well, I'm not rich. Right? God hasn't blessed me. I'm, I'm not Bill Gates. I, I'm not someone who has all of this money to put out there and change the world with. And Paul, in mentoring this young guy named Timothy, he literally tells him in this passage of Scripture a, a statement I think that's so important for you guys in the way you think about your life. And, and really what he says, and this is just my paraphrase of it, is this. Who you are in the world will make a bigger difference than what you have in the world. Did you get that? Who you are in the world, no matter what campus you're at, who you are in your community will have a bigger difference. difference. It will have a greater impact than what you have in the world or you have in your community. And Paul begins to really talk to Timothy and, and help him to see that, you know what, so many of us have a wrong perspective. Like, we think if we can save enough money to go on a mission trip, and, and actually this past week one of our teams left and went to Jamaica, and they're going to do an incredible work, but so many of us are thinking about the day sometime in the future when we can begin to accomplish God's purpose and his plan for our life. 
And for many of us, instead of being compassion, instead of being people who are going to make a difference in the world, we try to do things like start ministries for compassion, right? We're like, okay, you know what? God hasn't given me everything that I can do, so I want to start something where we can do that. And there's, there's nothing wrong with going, and there's nothing wrong with starting, but a more effective way for our church to change our community and change the world is for us to be different. Do you get that? It's, yeah, yeah, give God praise because it's true. Right? It's true. None of us that I know of has enough money to make the difference that, we, that they can make by themselves. But all of us together collectively across every location, which is amazing if you think about it, in all the different communities that God has strategically placed us. And you see, compassion is really more about who you are today and how you use the opportunities that God has given you, right, than it is about where you're going tomorrow or somewhere else in the future. It's more about who you are today and where you are and how you're taking advantage of those opportunities than it's about where you're going somewhere out in the future. And Paul, uh, in writing to Timothy, he tells him some things, and they're very interesting. And again, I just want to set this up and then give you a thought from another passage of Scripture. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, and if you have your Bible or your phone or your iPad or whatever you use at each of our locations uh, to, to look at God's Word, grab that because I think this is so important for us as we lay the foundation. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse 18, it says this. Now remember, this is after this command about using our wealth, right, to change the world. Those of us who are rich in this present world. And he goes on and he says this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? Send them out from Israel to do this great work. He doesn't say, go to Africa, go to Egypt. He doesn't say head downtown because there's an incredible work that needs to happen there. You see, none of those things are wrong. And none of them are bad because God wants us to go out into the world, right? That was his command for our lives. But you know what I've found about, I don't know about you guys, but about me is I like to complicate everything that God says. Do you guys ever do that? I got to complicate what God says. When he said to go out, he wasn't talking about going to Africa. We have missionaries in Africa right now who will be watching this service today. And we support them and we pray for them and, and really invest and pour life into them and, and, and South Africa and all these places around the globe. But all of us look to that and say, well, I can't go to Africa. I can't do that. And, and Paul tells Timothy, listen, it's really more about what you're doing where you are today than it is about going somewhere else. Right? It's about what you're doing in your life today. And he gives them four principles that guide. And, and what he really does, this isn't good English, but he ultimately says these are four things that you should be. Like He says these are the things you are to be. 
And he starts off, and, and just really quickly, let me run through them with you because he says, instruct them to do good. And this word is only used here in the New Testament. It's the only place that this Greek word is used. And it literally means to do what is inherently, intrinsically, and qualitatively good. Now, I don't know what that means, actually. It's just what the Greek word actually translates out to. But let me give you a little bit better definition here. Because what it means is this, is that you are to literally be good. Now, some of you need to be good. You know what I'm saying? Like quit sinning and doing all bad things, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's actually saying you need to be the good. As you're going about your life, you need to be the good. You need to be a good bringer. And many of us across each of our locations, right, we, we, don't, we forget this. We forget that God has called us to be a good bringer in the world today. We think, well, if I can go to Africa, I can bring good. Or if I can go to Central America, I can bring good. And he's saying, no, where you are, bring good. Now, let me ask you guys a question at each location. I want you to engage in this. And the question I want to ask is this. How many people across all of our locations this weekend know someone who is going through a difficult time right now? If you don't know someone, don't raise your hand. How many people know someone who's going through a difficult time? Okay, great. At the other campuses, put your hands down. Here we go. How many of you guys see yourself as the answer for the person who's going through the difficult situation that you just referenced. Anybody out there see themselves as the answer? Oh, I don't know about the other campus. It's Pellissippi. It went way down. And let me tell you this, because most of us are saying, dear God, don't make me be a part of their life. Do you know what they're going through? Do you know what they're, I don't want to be a person who's a part of it. I don't, God, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the abilities. And the challenge that we face in the church today and in our lives as believers is that we don't see ourselves as the answer to other people's problems. We don't see ourselves as holding the answers to someone else's problems. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, instruct them, command them to do good because God has already placed within your path places where he has called you to be his love and his grace. You see, it's not complicated. Uh, as, as simple as it is for us when God gives us his word and it makes sense, you know what I'm talking about? Like a lot of times we go to church, we try to like make it not make sense. But in reality, what happens here is Paul just tells Timothy, it's just that simple. As you walk through your life and you see someone with a need, make a difference. Be the difference. Then he goes on and he says, be rich in good works. Be rich in good works. And here's the deal. He references back up to the verse that Pastor did these series on called You Want If You Don't. And he actually says, many people are going to be given riches. And he says, if you receive riches, don't hoard the riches that you have, but use them to meet the needs of others. And listen to me, can I, just, can I just take care of a myth? Just like totally destroy a myth, I think, that's in our culture today. He's not talking about just homeless people or just people who stand at the exit of the interstate because all of us literally as Christ followers look at those people and say, well, all those people, they're from another community and another place and they're just here making money and getting rich and, and all of those things. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about in the people that you do life with, in the people that you walk with, in the people that you know, if you have been blessed, 
be good, do good works in their life. Right? You're supposed to look around and say, hey, you know what, they have need. How can we help meet their need? And I'm not just talking about money, right? I mean, I don't know how many wives would cheer across every location if guys did what the guy in the video did and actually helped pick up the dishes. You know, they would be like, oh, my goodness, you know. I mean, he, this is it. He's going to be good. I can't imagine it. Actually bring good. You see, for each of us, we've got to be rich in good works. Look at the next thing. Uh, we've got to be generous. Now he takes it to another level. Don't you love how, how the Bible does that? You know, it's like, oh, I can be good. Yeah, I can do some good works. Then he says, be generous. He actually says, act towards others with the same generosity that God has had towards you. He says, ah, oh, God didn't call you to be a minimalist. God didn't call you to say, what's the least that I can do? God called his church and his people to actually do things in a generous way that we would literally from our heart have a passion not just to meet someone's need, but to see someone's life be better because of the work that he, we allowed him to do through us. He said, you're not just supposed to do it, but you're supposed to do it generously, right? He's talking about our perspective, about the attitude. And then the last thing that he says is he says, being ready to share, ready to give to others. The word here is koinonia. It's the biblical word for fellowship. And it really is this. It says, do your life, live your life in such a way that as you're walking throughout, as you're going about that you'll treat people the way that you would want to be treated if you found yourself in their shoes. Treat people the way that you would want to be treated if you found yourself in their shoes. Now, before we move on, because I really do want to look at another passage of Scripture this weekend, but before we do that, here's what I want you to realize is this. The way you're thinking right now that you may need to help, may not be the way that God's called you to help. See, we believe as a church something called priesthood of the believer, and that means that God speaks through his Holy Spirit to believers to inform them of what they're supposed to do in their life. And most of us, when you hear me talking about being compassion, being good, the first thing we think is, right, I don't have enough money to do that. And here's the thing, God just, God just hit me with this. You know what? He's not talking about throwing money at a situation. He is actually talking about walking with a person to find a solution. You see, listen to this. Relationships can fix things that money can't touch. Relationship can fix things that money can't touch. You see, many people don't need more money. Actually, money is what got most of us in the problem that we're in. You know what I'm saying? Buying a bigger house, buying a better car. You know, I mean, we, we go going out to dinner too much and all these things. We find ourselves in a, in, a, in a place where we didn't want to be. And, and for most of us, we really don't need more money. We need someone who will walk beside us and put their arm around us and say, you know what, you need to quit going out to eat. <laughs> and you know what, that doesn't cost anything. You know what I'm saying, that doesn't cost anything. You need to sell your house. I need to sell my house. You need to sell your house. It didn't cost anything to give somebody advice. You know what I'm saying? And we want to complicate it. We want to say, you know, I just don't have any money to do good. And he's not talking about money. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about faith promised church getting involved in the lives of the people in our community and making a difference. Who cares how much money you have? 
You have time. And time is more valuable than money. And you can make a difference because of the time that you have. And so Paul tells him, hey, if you live this way, you'll take hold of a life that is truly life. Now Jesus said the same thing. He said in Matthew chapter 10, he was telling the disciples, this is what it means to be a true follower of mine. This is what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. And as Jesus was talking to the disciples, he gave them this list. And you can go back in Matthew 10 and you guys can, can literally go back and see what he tells the disciples. But the last thing he says is this, and it's really awesome. Listen to this. He says this, he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. You see, the abundant life that Christ is calling Faith Promise Church to, to each person at each of our campuses to is this. It's giving your life away more than it is keeping more of life for yourself. And Jesus is literally telling the disciples, if you'll give your life away, you'll be more fulfilled than if you keep more for your life so that you can accomplish what you believe that you want to. And so we leave this passage and we're going to turn the corner now in Luke chapter 3 and make some application of this because I think it will be really helpful for you guys to think about this from a different perspective. So if you have your Bible and you flip over there to Luke chapter 3 and we're just going to look at a few verses, I'm going to read them. But the, the, the few verses that we find here are a guy who was absolutely wild and crazy. Now, this guy became the front runner of Jesus, and his name was John the Baptist. And if you haven't been in church and you didn't grow up in Sunday school or something like that, you won't know some really crazy things about him. And this is what's wild about him is the Bible says that he wore clothes out of camel hair, which was obviously radical for his day, and that he ate locusts with honey. I don't know about you guys, but that dude was pretty radical. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what locusts taste like, but it's got to be bad. And if he could eat them and be healthy, then there was something bad about this guy. And he came on the scene to be the front runner or the forerunner of Jesus. Now, let me make a modern day application for you guys of John the Baptist. You know, because it's like, how do you translate camel hair and eating locusts? Well, it's like bright green skinny jeans and a white shirt and a bow tie. You know what I'm talking about? Blunt campus, do you know what I'm talking about? Right? That's modern day, folks. That's what I'm, I mean, that's it. Right? If you will get in front of a group of people and preach in skinny green jeans or whatever those things are, then, then you're a modern day John the Baptist. And you know what? If you weren't at one of our campuses last weekend, you got to get online and watch that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it was something else. And so John the Baptist bursts into the scene, right? And, and, and he's telling them all these different things. And he preaches in this crazy way. Now listen to this. When John the Baptist gets up to deliver one of his first messages, this, he starts off this way. He says, you brood of vipers. I mean to say it. You brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. It's so good to see you. Right? It just, uh, some of you grew up in that church. You know what I'm saying? Like, you were like, that's not abnormal, man. That was what happened when I, my parents drug me to church, and that's how they started off. And he goes on, and he, and he tells them, you know, he, he's preaching, and he's talking to them, and no one in their day had spoken with the authority that John the Baptist spoke with. 
And in that day, he goes on and he tells them some things like this. He says, if your life doesn't bear fruit, then God's going to take an ax and cut you down and throw your life into the fire. That's just good preaching. You know, I mean, that's not different than pastor most weekends. That's what I'm thinking. You know, like he just, I mean, that's just kind of how he talks. And I'm like, well, if it works for him, you brood of vipers. You know, I mean, like, boom. And all of a sudden, people in the crowd begin to ask questions. And it got out of control, right? I mean, like, can you imagine people start to stand up asking questions? Don't do that right now at any campus. It'd be weird if you're at a multi-site, stand up, start asking questions to the screen. You know, like, that's odd. And, and all of a sudden, he, he, the, the crowd start asking questions. And listen to this. It says in, in Luke chapter 3 and verse 10, And the crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. And some tax collectors also came, listen to this, to be baptized. This was a spontaneous baptism deal. You know what I'm saying? Like we do across our campuses. Man, we, he was preaching. People were saying, hey, I want to get baptized. And he says, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you've been ordered. Some soldiers were questioning him. And what about us? What shall we do? It's really interesting. And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Now, here's what's so amazing, what he didn't say. You know what he didn't say? Read your Bible more. Pray more. Go to church more. You should read your Bible, and you should pray, and you should go to church. But this is what he was trying to tell them that's so important for us, because their problem was our problem. We'll always be more concerned about what spiritual things we should do than who we are supposed to become in Christ. Right? We, all, we all, across all of our campuses, we all say, oh, you want me to read my Bible more? Okay, that's good. No, I want you to be Christ to your neighbors. Man, you don't know my neighbors. You want me to read my Bible more? No. No, I want you to make a difference in your community for Christ. And that's what he was saying. And he tells them, and look, he goes on, and he doesn't address their job. Did you get that? He didn't say go to Africa. He didn't say go to Egypt. He didn't say cross the Jordan River or anything like that. When he talks to them, as he is sharing with them, he didn't tell them to quit what they do. He said, don't quit what you do. Be different in what you do. Ooh, don't quit what you do. Be different in what you do. Now look at what he says in the crowd. He tells them something really simple. He says, hey, quit overcomplicating things. And he said, this is how you can know if you're living for Christ. He says, you got two shirts? Give one of them away. Well, that's simple. Okay, yeah, we got that. And he says, and if you have extra food, give that away as well. Whoa, time out. What would you say, John? You see, because in their day... Food was very scarce. And for us, we pass more food going home from each of our campuses. As we drive home, we pass more restaurants and we pass uh, more grocery stores. You know, these big, huge boxes full of, of groceries and all these things. In their day, that was unheard of. Give us this day our daily bread. Do you remember that prayer? Yeah. They prayed that prayer because every person received a daily ration of food. And if you had extra of your daily ration, what would you do? You would keep that in case you didn't have enough tomorrow, right? And John said, no. Now, you got two tunics? You got two shirts? Give one away. You got extra food? 
give that away. And he goes on, and what he's really trying to tell them is this, and I think it's so important for us at each of our locations is this. If you have more than what you need, share with someone who's in need. You know how simple that is? If you have more than you need, if you have more than you need, share with someone who's in need. It's just that simple. See, we can be compassion. We can be life bringers into our community just by taking the excess of what we have and blessing someone else with it. The second group of people, the tax collectors. There was no one worse in their day than the tax collectors. Do you know what I'm saying? The tax collectors, they were actually listed in a group with two, two groups, them and the sinners. Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the tax collectors were despised in their day. And the reason they were despised is because if the tax that a person owed was five shekels, then they would go out and they would say, you owe 15 shekels. And they'd say, hey, you know my tax is only five shekels. And they'd say, you owe 15 shekels. If you don't want to pay 15 shekels, you'd go to jail. And the people would pay 15 shekels. And John looks at the tax collector who had come to be baptized, and he, and he, and he literally, in talking to him, he, he, do you remember what he said? He said to him, when he said, teacher, what we, do, we shall do, he said, collect no more than what you've been ordered to. And, and this is what he was saying. You guys are greedy. You already get paid for the five shekels you collect. But you collect 15 because you're greedy, because you want more. And he says, you know what? If you've been greedy, give to someone else what you would keep. For yourself. Isn't that what he's saying to us? You know, across our campuses, we are greedy, right? I mean, we're greedy. I'm greedy. Man, we keep so much more than what we need. We throw away more food in our house. We throw away enough food collectively, probably across our campuses, to feed a small nation somewhere in the world. He's just saying, hey, if you've been greedy, you know what, take that and give to someone else. And then the last group he talks to, just really quickly, the soldiers. The soldiers. And as he's talking to the soldiers, they, he literally, they speak up. And in their day, this doesn't make sense for us, but uh, because of the religious leaders and all of the issues going on between Rome and the Jews and things like that, there would be soldiers everywhere. And any time a crowd began to gather, the soldiers would come, right? And they would just make sure that there was going to be peace, that nothing was going to break out. And one of the soldiers is there, and it doesn't say what type of soldier that he was, but one of the soldiers was there, and, and the soldier does the same thing. He asks a question. He says, you know, what about us? And John says, hey, don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely. And then he says something I think that's so interesting. And be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. I have to tell you, when I read that, God just spoke to me, and I think it speaks to us across our campuses, and that he's saying this, be content. You know what? You can justify anything. Don't be a justifier. Be content, right? These guys could go out and say, hey, I think you just did something wrong. You owe me this. And they would, if they didn't pay it, they'd throw them into jail, right? They had to pay him. He's saying, hey, you guys, you know what? You have all the force. You can do anything that you want to do. And, they, and he literally says to them, hey, be content with what you've been given. And God just really, I, I wrote this down because this is what I think it says for us. If you lack contentment, you've likely taken your eyes off of others and placed them on yourself. 
If you lack contentment, you've likely taken your eyes off of others and placed them back on yourself. Here's, here's another thought that I wrote down. If I'm focused on me, I see what I don't have instead of what others need. You see, if you look around as you go throughout your campus or your community and you look and you see what others, what you don't have instead of what others need, you don't have the eyes and the heart that John was talking about, right? Because he was saying, hey, you are, be, be content, man, be content, content. You've been given what you need. Be content with that. And when we're not content, we look at ourselves instead of looking at others. And it's amazing because as we wrap this up, there's this paradox that happens. Because we think, and you're arguing because you're saying, well, if I give things away, then I won't have what I need. And then if I don't have what I need, I won't be happy. And Jesus said this, if you give your life away, you'll be happier than you've ever been. But if you hold on to the things you have in your life, you'll be miserable. And here's what I know in our culture and in our community and in our church. A lot of us are holding on to the things around us instead of giving them away with open hands to God to use in our community. You see, it's all about perspective. Most of us walk through life just like the video, say, I don't know what God's doing. He's not telling me to do anything. I don't see it. God, do you want me to go to Africa? What about Asia? What about Jamaica? What do you have? And he's saying, hey, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Because there are needs all around you that need to be met. Now, across each of our campuses, there's a little band like this. And it says 28 days of life. And at each of our locations, if our campus pastors will come forward because we're going to finish our service here. It says 28 days of life. And here's what I want to do. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to do something really significant in us because I believe, you know, I tell you guys this. I was looking because of 28 days. You ever heard that study that if you do something for 28 days, it'll become a habit and all that? Well, they now say that's not true. But if we do this for 28 days, it'll make a difference. But it's not just about 28 days. It's about a change in your life. It's about a change in your perspective. And here's what I want you to do. If symbolically, and you may have already done this at one of our campuses, but if symbolically you would say, you know what, I'm going to be a life bringer. I'm going to ask God to open my eyes at my work, in my community, at my kid's ball field, wherever it is. I'm going to ask God to open my eyes and I'm going to engage my community no matter what campus you're at. If you're willing to do that, I, I did it earlier in the week, and I just slipped it on my hand. And, and maybe you would do the same thing, that you would just put the band on your arm, and you would say, you know what, this is going to be my constant reminder that God's called me to be a life giver. If you do that, would you do it right now at every location? Would you put that on? God, in this act, in this moment, these aren't bands that are just something pretty. They're a commitment to a lifestyle. And I pray that the people who put it on in Campbell County will make a difference there like they never have, that they'd be radical and blunt. 
God, that they would just get nuts for you and, and, and go crazy meeting needs. And God, whether it be at our North Knox campus or, uh, or in Clinton and, and at Pellissippi, as we go out, would you let it be a reminder when we see our neighbor in need that you haven't called us to go somewhere else? You may do that. You've called us to meet the needs that all of us are tripping over every day. Forgive us, God. Forgive us and let us be life bringers in our communities for you. God, would you let this band be a reminder of who we are in you. Faith promised church, a people called to bring you to a world in need. In Christ's name we pray.